and welcome to You Heard It Here First, helping you discover the best that Audible has to offer. My name's Imriel Morgan, and I'm here to tell you about the brilliant new releases and hidden gems that you can find on the Audible website and the app. And we love hearing from you too. Every week, we ask you to send in your recommendations for our genre corner, and we hear some of your best reviews from the Audible website. So get ready to find your next favorite listen. Up first today is a featured customer review. Each week, I choose one of your reviews so we can see what you've been enjoying. This week, we're featuring Lindsay. She's been raving about Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss and Tal Raz. Let's hear what she had to say. Revolutionary for my life. From changing the way I talk to my partner, turning a usual argument into a loving exchange, to getting me everything I've ever wanted and avoiding the wimp deal where I just accept where I'm offered. This book is changing my life. I've listened to it and bought the hard copy and turned it into a complete system for every conversation I have. That was Lindsay's review of Never Split the Difference. If you fancy sharpening up your negotiating skills, you can check it out on the Audible website or on the app. Now it's time for our featured new release. This week, I've chosen In Search of Black History, presented by Bonnie Greer. Coming across this podcast series was a pleasant surprise. Very little is known or rather explored about black history outside of transatlantic slavery and American chattel slavery. I came to this podcast with the expectation of hearing stories of great men and women who have been forgotten by history. In many ways, the podcast delivers on this. But there are moments where it lacks a little personality and even fun, which could have given this podcast an edge. Having said that, it follows conventional reporting and storytelling I'd come to expect from a history podcast, so perhaps my expectations were a bit warped. And despite this, it does have some lovely moments. One of the ones which stood out to me is a sweet interaction between Bonnie and art historian Michael Ohajuru while on tour at the National Gallery. He's clearly passionate about charting African royalty in Europe. Here's a clip. We stopped first at a massive painting depicting the infant Jesus not in Bethlehem, but in Venice, in a beam of heavenly light, as the three kings arrive with their gifts. It was painted by the Venetian artist Paolo Veronese. This is one of my very, very favorite adorations. It's Paolo Veronese's Adoration of the Kings. It's a huge, magnificent piece, full of color, full of drama. And the thing people always find difficult this is to find all the black presences and we'll discuss hopefully we'll get on to talk about this in this composition the way he's constructed the, the painting that your eye is drawn to what was what, your eye drawn to my eye if i can tell you my eye is drawn to the bottom this little black boy his beautiful little face i mean that's the first thing that i saw and then as my eye moved to the left of the painting i saw the Magi, who I think must be the Magi, in front of him. And what you see, and, and I would love you to talk about this, Venice and also the black presence in Venice, that's very important, is the sort of line of this, this beautiful little face. It's so contemporary as well. This little boy, he, is, he's expected to be there because elites, the rich in Venice, would always be surrounded by black people to serve them. But you know what's moving, and I love that, but you know the moving part of this, I mean, I... It, it makes me almost cry. He, he looks like one of my family. I mean, he, you know, the, the fact that 
Veronese's must have looked at him. How cute was that? Throughout the series, you hear about the presence of black people in the earliest European colonies, black Tudors, black philosophers and royalty. There's even in-depth DNA explanations by biological archaeologists on the diverse racial makeup of people in mass gravesites. Bonnie speaks to scholars who specialise in uprisings on slave ships and my absolute favourite moment in black history, the Haitian Revolution, gets a mention too. One thing I always try to be on this podcast is honest. So I have to say there were some things that did grate on me. It certainly felt like something I should like and be interested in by default. The music felt a little cliched and expected. Think African drums and harmonised vocalisations. I also found Bonnie's voice to be very poetic, maybe too much. Her voice reminds me a lot of Angela Davis. There's something almost spoken word-like in her delivery, which, though pleasant, made me a little too relaxed, and I started to drift off during the podcast, missing vital facts. Overall, though, this podcast is packed to the rafters with information, surprising facts, and unheard stories of a group of histories that have been twisted and manipulated by the victors. I learned a significant amount about my own history, and I also feel validated for at least recognising a handful of stories and names featured in the podcast. If you want to find out more about Black History, you can find the full series of In Search of Black History presented by Bonnie Greer on Audible. Now it's time to hear about the hidden gem I've chosen for you this week. You may have heard about this one already, but my goodness, is it good. This week, I've chosen Queenie, written by Candice Carty-Williams and narrated by Siobhan Marks. The book follows the story of Queenie Jenkins as she deals with the fallout of her relationship ending, sort of. When we meet Queenie, she and her boyfriend Tom have just gone on a break. In the aftermath, Queenie battles to balance the demands of her work, her friends and family, and a long list of lovers she uses to fill the void in Tom's absence. The story is darkly comic and really heartfelt. It shines a light on what it's like to be a young woman navigating the minefield of online dating, STI clinics and unwanted advances. And what can I say about Queenie? It's bloody brilliant. This book has had a lot of attention. I was a bit reluctant to read it as nothing kills a book faster than overhype, but I stand corrected. I'm going to own up to the fact that I may have some biases here as I can strongly relate to the main character, Queenie. She's a first-generation black British woman born to Jamaican parents who's in an interracial relationship and suffers from mental health issues that she can't quite manage. The author, Candice Carty-Williams, originally worked in publishing before she moved into writing. And I'm so glad she did. She's done a stellar job of capturing Queenie's life. For me, it was refreshing to have versions of my reality reflected in this text. When she described her grandparents' house, I had to stop and pause and remember that she's not writing about my grandparents. I felt so seen by this book and I can't say I've ever experienced that before. You'll enjoy this book if you like hearing about women's fiction, modern romance, or rather, how difficult it can be to try and meet somebody normal. And if you like stories about imperfect women, think Fleabag or Dear White People, then this is for you. As well as this, Siobhan Marks is an excellent narrator. Her range of accents is brilliant, and I think it really makes the book. Candice Carty-Williams writes really developed and well-rounded characters anyway, but Siobhan helps you feel like you're actually listening to their conversations, and I wanted to be part of their WhatsApp group. The only thing you might find tricky is the fact that you want to root for Queenie so badly. And when she makes terrible, and I mean terrible mistakes, it will leave you wanting to shout at her, Why Queenie? You don't need to do this! 
And on that note, the book does cover some serious and complex topics like depression and racism, which you might want to bear in mind before you listen. Overall, though, I loved this. I couldn't switch it off, and there were even moments where I had to sit down distraction-free and enjoy it. There are some excellent twists and turns with plenty of outrageous moments in between. It's well worth the listen. Here's one of my favourite bits from the book. Grandad, can we put something on the telly that isn't news? I asked. He finally looked away from the television and stared at me for a million years. As you all know, I do not like anything that is fictitious, he announced, turning the news up and facing the screen again. The only thing we should be watching is what's happening in the world around us. It's a horrible state of affairs, and you, young as you are, need to stop being so ignorant. Grandad, you know I work at a newspaper. I know what's going on in the world. You work at the magazine, Queenie. It's all opinion pieces and clubbing, not real news, he replied swiftly. Wilfred, don't start. Not even bother start on Jesus' birthday. Hand me the remote, my grandmother said through tightened lips. My granddad sighed and pushed the remote across the table to her. She passed it to me and I scanned the channels as my mum and Maggie went to sit in the front front room, the one with plastic covers on the sofas and dust sheets on all of the best furniture. Nobody is allowed in there. I still have to clean it every time I come here though. That was a clip from Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. Check it out on the Audible website or on the app. And when you heard it here first, I'm not the only one who will be recommending you some audio goodness. Joining me every week in the studio will be two editors from Audible to tell me about the books that they've been loving. And for the first time in this series, delighting us with her presence in the studio is Holly Newson of Audible Session fame. Hi, Holly. Oh, hey. <laughs> so glad to have you. What a pleasure to be here. Holly's also our executive producer, so there is zero pressure on this interview. I feel like more pressure for me, though, than you. You do this. This is your job. (laughs) Yeah, but I interview people. I don't have to answer any questions. Well, there's a first time for everything. Can you tell us about the book that you've chosen today? Yes, I have chosen American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Ooh, interesting choice. Why? So this is a book that has been surrounded by a lot of controversy. It came out in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I got a copy of it sometime back in 2019. And I really enjoyed it. I have to be honest, I really enjoyed it to the point where I would gush to anyone about it. So for context, the book is about a mum, Lydia, and her son, Luca, who are trying to get out of Mexico after some really horrific violence has happened to the rest of their family. Yeah, And when the book released there was a massive backlash, also debate and conversation about whether Janine was someone who should have written this book, which for someone who wasn't aware of that when they were reading it Mm -hmm. and didn't have the foresight, the breadth of knowledge to know how many people that wasn't representing, it was a really interesting thing to see that happen to a book that you'd been gushing about. So I guess the book has sparked a huge discussion around cultural appropriation, who's allowed to platform and share these stories, and was Janine really the right person to write and tell that story? Has that changed your perception of the book now that you know that? 
or do you still gush about it and still love it? So I find that side of it really tricky because no, I don't still gush about it because I don't necessarily think that it's my place to say. Also, for like personal mental health reasons, can't participate in something that's going to get me a Twitter pile on. Yeah, fair enough. But I do think the book has some positives. I don't know if Janine's the right person to write it. I don't think there is a clear-cut distinction between whose stories can and cannot be told. Yeah. And what I do think Janine's book has done is it raised for me an issue that I had never thought of. I hadn't given any thought to the Mexicans who were fleeing Mexico to cross the American border more than, you know, it's just on the news. So for me to give it that human perspective was interesting. There's obviously the other side where is it an accurate depiction? And I think it's so important to know that lots of Mexicans say this doesn't represent me. And I think that's fundamental for anyone who does go and read or listen to the book um, to know that that is not the whole picture. But it got me thinking about something I hadn't thought about and made me aware of something and made me want to go out and investigate like Mexican writers who are writing on this topic and know their thoughts on it. So I wouldn't tell anyone not to read it because it's pacey. It's a page turner and maybe it will make them investigate the topic more. To pull on the point that, you know, this doesn't represent every Mexican person's experience, at least in coming to America, largely because of the horrific violence that is experienced quite early on in the book. I guess it's not too much of a spoiler for you to share what that was and why that might have been a big source of why a lot of people got upset. Mm. So the book starts with Luca and Lydia, who I mentioned before. Lydia's husband is a journalist and the whole rest of their family gets killed by a cartel. So I don't think that's really spoilery. It happens really, really near the start. It is quite a graphic description. Mm -hmm. And then from there, Lydia and Luca start their journey trying to flee this cartel and get to a stage where they... Lydia decides that their best option is to try and get into America in whatever way that they can. Yeah. Holly, you listen to lots of books. Why have you chosen this one? So I've chosen this one because of the sheer emotional impact it had on me. So when I finished the book, it was on a Saturday morning. My boyfriend was still sleeping and I finished it. I was just on the sofa and just finished it and cried. Oh my goodness. Basically. And I just think that it left quite an impact. And I was very grateful my boyfriend didn't wake up in that moment and come (laughs) in and be like, why are you crying on a Saturday morning on the sofa? Um, But yeah, it was, it's that element of it, which is why I still think it's something for people to read and to read and reflect on. But yeah, I just, I think it's worth exploring. To go back to the more audiobook side of it all, to lighten the mood a little, (laughs) what did you make of the narration? I think the narration's really nice. At first, I wasn't quite sure. Um, I felt like I I need a a 1.25 on it. Um, (laughs) And this is interesting. I really love the Spanish um, bits in the narration. It's obviously another thing that has been criticised, is that I don't speak Spanish, um, but that the Spanish is not how Lydia in the book would speak in her, you know, way of life. Yeah. Which, again, really important to know. As someone who doesn't speak Spanish, uh, I think the narrator 
delivers it just so beautifully and I don't understand any of it but she could speak to me in Spanish all day. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Holly. You can find American Debt on Audible. And next up is Victoria Haslam. Victoria, it's been ages, but we're glad to have you back. Please tell me what you're recommending today. Thanks, it's good to be back. So I want to talk about Hag, which is a short story collection of eight short stories, all by female authors. Brilliant. What are they about? It's basically retellings of traditional folk tales from around the UK. And so we've asked eight authors who are from those places to retell them. The short stories generally don't have maybe the best portrayal of women. Ah, in interesting. Them. We've kind of retold it in a kind of modern feminist light. Is that why you've gone for a title like Hag? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to I mean, kind of play on that idea. Exactly. Like in the women who are portrayed in all of these stories are kind of seen as that like traditional evil witchy, witchy woman. Yeah. And it's folktales reimagined. Do you think it worked as a concept in the podcast format? I think so. I think I really like the concept in terms of reimagining these like traditional archaic stories, just because the stories themselves are so interesting anyway. But to mm-hmm. see what these authors have done with them, it's really cool. In terms of like the podcast format, after each of the short stories, there's kind of a discussion between the author and Dr. Caroline Larrington, who is a professor at Oxford University who specialises in British folklore. And she's the one who sourced the stories Mm. and then kind of worked with the authors on their retellings of them. And the conversation between them is so interesting to get more of the background on what the authors did and how they reimagined it and kind of their influences on it. Yeah, I found that to be like a really pleasant surprise after listening, Mm -hmm. where you kind of see how they drew their inspiration from the story, but massively, like a lot of them did kind of dramatically retell them um, and keep like small elements that were, I guess, quite pivotal in in the storytelling. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I feel a lot of them did an excellent job, but they are really dark and sometimes sinister stories that I think just listeners should probably be aware of. Oh, yeah. What was your favourite story, do you think? I loved so many of them. I think either The Dampness is Spreading by Emma Glass, Mm. which I would say is one of the darkest. um, It's pretty grim. (laughs) (laughs) But I also loved the short story by Kirsty Logan, which is the Scottish story, which is about a a woman who gives birth to a selkie baby. A what? A selkie? What's a selkie? It's kind of... I mean, I don't think I can give, like, an expansive answer. Without, like, spoiling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's a kind of seal. Oh. Yeah. So the baby is, like, half sulky. It's, like, this traditional Scottish folk story about a woman who has a baby with a sulky man. Sure. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> sounds delightful. <laughs> because it's a collection of short stories, do you think listeners have to go into it listening in order or can you jump around no you can totally jump around the stories aren't connected they're very kind of separate if there's like an author that you particularly love that you want to go to first i mean i like listening in order because it's kind of been curated like that i guess but no you can definitely jump around and i think they're very separate they still have each has like the introduction into the format and Mm -hmm. then has the discussion with caroline at the end Do you think, because they're short stories, and I know that the discussion with Caroline at the end is probably about half an hour, so each story is roughly about an hour just over. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think that there was enough time to kind of capture everything that they wanted to tell in such a short period of time? There were definitely some that I wanted more. And I actually saw somebody say on Twitter the other day, tweet at Liv Little, being like, I need to know. I said this to producer Ellie that I wanted more from the sister's story because really? it ended so abruptly. You're just like, what? Yeah. It's like, what? I need to know what, what happens. Happens? What yeah. happens? I really want to know. So yeah, definitely yeah. that. But I think that's the sign of a good story in totally. many ways. Like if she had delivered on giving us like a proper ending, would we have been as satisfied? Exactly. And that's, I think that's one of the things that I love about short stories is yeah. that it's like a snapshot into lives. You don't get the full story. Yeah. I think that's what leaves it lingering with you and you think about it so much more because you don't get like the complete history so some of these stories have beautiful sound design in them um so in the dampness is spreading there's like a moment at the pivotal moment that starts Mm -hmm. to get very dramatic and the music really picks up what was the sound design like across the stories did you find that it worked quite consistently did you like it i think it made it really atmospheric and the fact that these are all quite macabre dark stories i think in the dampness is spreading there's like rumblings throughout the whole story kind of like thunderous Mm. and it kind of picks up at certain points you don't necessarily notice it throughout especially if you're listening in headphones yeah i think it worked really well and it made it like very personal and like a really different kind of audio experience which i think is really cool nice thanks victoria thanks hag was victoria's pick of the week When Audible commissioned the podcast, they quickly realised that the writers needed to be women. They said the stories that Hag is based on would have been cautionary tales that would have been passed between generations of women, and they thought that was important to reflect. Both Hag and American Dirt are available to download on Audible. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. If you're loving it, leave us a rating and review. We've heard about lots of great audiobooks and podcasts so far. And now we're going to hear from the funny and sometimes grumpy Jenny Eclair. Jenny sat down with Holly Newson for a chat about going from stand-up comic to novelist as well. So this obviously is nowhere near your first novel. You've been writing these for a while now. So you were known for comedy. What made you sit down and think, I'm going to write a novel? Well, David Baddiel had done one and I thought, well, if he can, I can. And I was really quite angry about it. This is a terrible thing to say because I read it and I just thought, well, we've got the same management. If he can get a book deal with this. And I remember sort of saying, I really, really want to write a book. And my agent rather cockily said, well, I'll get you a deal, but, you know, whether you'll be able to do it sort of thing. And I did do it. And Campbell Beauty, I think if I read it now, would seem... I was about 40 when I, I wrote that. It would probably seem quite young. And I think that, that this is the fifth novel. And I think at the moment, with the five, they're split into two groups. There's Camberwell Beauty and Having a Lovely Time, which are from my earlier oeuvre. And then the three more mature books, which are Life, Death and Vanilla Slices, Moving and Inheritance, belong very much more to a middle-aged kind of mentality. But would you say that who they're for is is different as well? Or do you think it's just a different writing style? I suppose that I think that with my career, I've kind of collected the the women of my generation and hopefully brought them along with. So there are, you know, occasionally I'll meet women who said, oh, I first saw you in Edinburgh in 1993. And then they'll pitch up at a grumpy old women's show or something like that, or one of my solo stand-up shows. So... It's a double-edged sword because I love stand-up and I am a stand-up, but I am also an author. And I think that sometimes it's been very difficult to persuade people that I'm allowed to do 
I think people have been fine with the stand-up, but I think there has been reticence over accepting me as a, a writer. And I think that all writers are actually furious <laughs> about how they're perceived. Yeah. And, and I have a bit of that. I really liked Jenny in this interview. She is delightful. She's bold. She's direct. I admire how she looked at David Baddiel's book deal and just demanded one for herself. And it's quite interesting to hear her talk about the transition from comedy to becoming a novelist and actually how people didn't take her seriously. And later in the episode, she actually mentions that her sister, who has like a really good book club, basically says no to having her book in the book club and it's really quite funny she's excellent and you're just gonna love this episode especially if you're into hobbies and crafting which gets a special mention at the end if you like the sound of that you can find jenny eclair's full audible session on the audible website or app where you can also find lots of her books including inheritance and moving And finally, it's time to take a trip to our genre corner. You've heard lots of recommendations from us, but now we want to hear from you. From classics to architecture, we want to know what it is you can't get enough of. This week, we've chosen a review of a fiction book and our recommendation comes from Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy and I would love to recommend listening to Jesse Burton's The Confession on Audible. It's narrated by Hayley Atwell, which... I thought was brilliant because I think she's fabulous and it's basically a story of a woman's search for what happened to her mother. It's also a story of love and friendship and motherhood and self-realisation really and what all those things do to us. If you are going to listen to it I would recommend getting loads of snacks in, putting aside loads of time and getting your headphones ready if you have to go out as it's absolutely gripping from the start. You won't be able to stop listening to it. Uh, you just have to know what happens and what the confession is. I've actually seen that Audible also have both of her other books, which is brilliant, so I'm definitely going to be listening to those. Thanks, Lucy. You had me at snacks. There's nothing I enjoy more than listening to a good book and snacking. You can find The Confession by Jesse Burton on Audible. Your voice notes have been brilliant and we've loved listening. So thank you everyone who sent one in. And sadly, that's all for this series of You Heard It Here First. In the last 10 episodes, we've heard about some really brilliant audio you can find on Audible. Some of my favourite listens have been So Lucky by Dorno Porter, Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo, and of course The Sun King by David Dimbleby. I'd love to know your favourites. Let us know by tweeting us using the hashtag YHIHF. And in case you missed any of the titles we listed today, here they are again. Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss and Tal Raz. In Search of Black History by Bonnie Greer. Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. Holly Newson recommended American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Hag was Victoria Haslam's pick. Jenny Eclair spoke to Holly about her book Inheritance and our genre corner was Jesse Burton's The Confession. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen, presented by me, Imriel Morgan, and featuring Holly Newson and Victoria Haslam. It was produced by Ellie Clifford, original music by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson, 
The production executive was Hayley Nathan and the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.